Welcome to the session. There was once an individual who said, there's peer pressure, but there's also peer priority. Gee, where have I heard that before? (laughs) Where faith and life connect. I think I just heard a whole bunch of people yell amen. (laughs) Yeah, hallelujah. I hope so. A time to explore issues facing the family today. Marriage is about what can I look at inside of me and take care of in me to offer to my spouse a better me. And where it's okay to laugh a little. It is so good to hear you say that, to hear someone else preach that message. It is. Well, again, for years, I've heard you preach it. (laughs) It's finally soaking in. (laughs) Yes, the celebration of success. (laughs) Welcome to the session on Rise FM. It is time for Faith and Life to Connect. This is the session. I am Scott here with the king of the cranium, (laughs) life coach Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. And uh, Merry Christmas. Yes. We haven't got that out yet. And uh, Merry Christmas to you as you're listening. And uh, remember, anytime you want to suggest a show for us, right? Uh, especially going into the new year, we are all ears. Right now, the January calendar is empty of ideas. So we could use your help with anything you'd like us to talk about. Yeah. And since it's Christmas, Scott, I was thinking if somebody has some suggestions that we could get our wives, or at least I could get my wife for Christmas, I probably ought to think about Christmas shopping. Oh, yeah. Any Christmas suggestions? Yeah, we we would take those. (laughs) Absolutely. Because, well, you know, you've been married longer than you've been alive. That's right. And, uh, you know, having having gotten married on the playground in third grade, you know, (laughs) you could use some fresh ideas. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, any ideas you'd like to send out, you can email scott at risefmohio.com, and I'd be glad to hear from you. We're going to talk about four lessons the three wise men can teach us today. When you suggested this, I was really intrigued because to me it's going to be a different take on part of the Christmas story, and I don't know that I've ever heard anybody think of it of think of the wise men this way. So yeah. I'm kind of excited about where we're going today, and I, I hope this is, it's exciting for you as you're listening as it is for us to put this together. But before we dive in, Tom, let's go into God's Word. Well, and Scott, out of Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born of King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I'm always drawn to that first, the first sentence. After Jesus was born. Uh-huh. The thought is that, what, he was probably closer to two years old than what we see in our, you know, Christmas plays where he's just, he's an infant. Right, uh-huh. That it probably took that long for the, for the Magi to follow the star and find him. And, and get there, yeah. yeah. It wasn't like they got on a Southwest airplane and... <laughs> They did not get on Magi Air and get the nonstop to Bethlehem. There were camels involved, but they weren't nonstop, I guarantee you. So at two years old, can you imagine Jesus being a toddler getting into everything? <laughs> There's a whole nother, whole nother what-if kind of scenario, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to dig into four lessons the three wise men can teach us. We're going to focus on an article from Jan Lashbrook. She's the early childhood director at Calvary Christian Academy in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Right. Let's dive into number one, Tom. He is for everyone. And how powerful is it and how good that is that although a Messiah had been promised to the Jews, it was the Gentiles from a foreign land who sought him out. 
They recognized his value. They presented him with expensive gifts and bowed down and worshipped him. They, in faith, had to leave their their land where and travel, and on a camel. That was probably the bus back then, the Greyhound bus. Yeah, it was the, the Greyhound camel service. <laughs> <laughs> they knew in faith that this was Jesus. You know, it's just striking me, and I don't know why I never thought of this before. The Jewish Messiah, our all all of our Messiah, mm-hmm. was first recognized by the Gentiles. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That God set it on them to come. Right. And and I don't know how much research you've done on where the, the Magi probably came from. No. I haven't, but I've right. heard anything from... Iran, Iraq, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, hmm. from great distance. Oh, right. Uh-huh. It's not like they just came around from the 7-Eleven. <laughs> That's know, true. That, that was not the case. So, you know, the Messiah promised to the Jews it was the Gentiles who sought him out. And that whole concept of following the star is foreign to us because we've got so many lights in our world now with street lights and overhead lights and everything else. Right. You know, back then, the stars were something that magi or wise men would have studied and followed yeah and when you see an odd star pop up like them like they did you know you can't help but wonder if they kind of studied it for a while and said you know what all these stars are in the same place that one is moving in a defined direction and they didn't have area 51 or you know conspiracy theories about aliens yet (laughs) so they knew there was a significance yeah i I find that exciting you know that's true So the story of the three wise men make it clear that God is here for everybody, regardless where you are, just like what you were saying, that he first, Jesus was seen by the Gentiles. I have to wonder if there's some kind of a significance to that, because our God would operate that way. Did he think that maybe the Jews weren't going to recognize him on a level that the Gentiles were? Now, did he already know that they were looking for a more of a military messiah who's going to kick out the Romans. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, the disciples had that problem. Are you going to restore the kingdom now? No, my time hasn't come yet. And no, you don't know what you're saying. So let's keep going and you'll get it right eventually. And the idea that it supports the scripture that if you seek him, you will find him. Yeah. Uh, Matthew 6.33, seek ye first. You know, is that seeking. If you seek him, you will. And that's true today. I think that's one of the more powerful things today is that if we seek him, we will find him. And these wise men sought him out for some time. Right. You know, following that star. All right, so we're going through four lessons the three wise men can teach us today. Number two, he is worthy of our praise. That's right. The wise men fell at his feet and they worshiped him. When the men went into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they knelt down and worshipped him. How powerful is that? And, you know, they, they knelt down. Who told them to, to kneel down? And, and they immediately wanted to worship him. Well, who told them you should worship him? Well, if you had just followed a star right. for a year or two, or some extended period of time at any rate, you had to know there was something significant about what you were going to find at the other end. And... And so it was a loyal royalty kind of, even though he was a baby toddler running around and loves diapers. 
<laughs> That's a whole other picture that we don't need to discuss. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the, the picture that I see here that stands out to me, and I, I bring this up from time to time depending on the, on the chapter of, of the scriptures we're reading through on my show, when we have a personal encounter with Jesus, there is an immediate response from us. No matter what, it could be obedience, it could be an action, but in this case, it was worship. They had a personal encounter with Jesus, and their first response wasn't to ask questions. It was to worship. And I have to wonder, when we see him, if that won't be the same thing. I hear it, and I've been part of the conversations. When I get to heaven, the first thing I'm going to do, or the first person I'm going to talk to, the question I'm going to ask I have a hunch (laughs) when we get to heaven, we are going to be so overwhelmed by the overall presence of God all around us. Right. We're not going to be able to say a word. Yeah, we'll be in awe. I'm I'm not going to want to get off my face. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can almost picture an angel coming up behind me going, Scott, okay, get up now. You got something (laughs) to do. Get over here. Come on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I just... The awe, yeah, you said it right. well, the awe that we're going to feel mm-hmm. and experience when we're in his presence. That comment was made at a funeral I was at not too long ago where he said, you know, she's not suffering anymore. She is in the presence of God now mm-hmm. and enjoying yeah. the fullness of healing in his presence. So the other thing that I think I see in here, Tom, is that, you know, especially this time of year, life gets in the way real easy. You know, and, and life getting in the way of worshiping him and getting caught up in commercial Christmas mm-hmm. can become a real issue for us today. You know, the commercial aspects of it. And it's, you know, it's good. I, I enjoy giving presents. That's fun. But to remember the awe that these wise men felt in their response to Jesus and our what our response should be to the birth of our Savior Mm-hmm. really should kind of be redirected this time of year. Well, yeah, redirected, I, I agree. What do you, What's the real reason for the season? I think that becomes really, really important. I remember I worked for a carpet company in one of my many non-radio jobs over the years, and they were Christians, and I was the one in charge in the store. They went out and did stuff, and I was the one in the office. And our front window faced a, a very busy street, and they wanted me to put up something on the front, Merry Christmas or something. Mm-hmm. So I took those little letter stickers, and I put up there, Keep Christ in Christmas. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that has always stuck with me. I can still see myself at my desk looking out through that window with that on the window. Well, and how critically important that is, and how shallow and, I guess for lack of a better term, commercial it would be. To not have Jesus there. Right. I, I've shared before, to me, not going to a Christmas Eve service would make an incredible difference in a, in a negative way about what that Christmas would be like. Well, see, you've got it easy this year. Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to happen. Yeah. So there you go. You're going to a Christmas Eve service. I know we're doing actually another, an extra service on the 24th so that because our church is a traveling church, so a lot of people are doing this and that's and right. family things so that people can either come in the morning or in the, in the evening depending on their family needs. 
for Kathy and I, we are going to be going to a Christmas Eve service in Buda, Texas. Oh, that's right. You're going to be down with Mandy. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. And I assume watch the grandkids participate in some way, probably? Um, definitely in Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, maybe in the service. You know, you know, they have this great room. It's really great. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> You know how everything's bigger in Texas. That's right. So this is this big, great room. <laughs> and, and when the grandchildren are going through their opening their presents, it might look like there's a little tornado going on in that great room with all the wrapping paper flying around and, and, and all the hollering that'll be going on. <laughs> and I think Grandma and I will go for a walk about that time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So we're talking through the four lessons the three wise men can teach us today on the session. The first one, he is for everyone. Second, he is worthy of our praise. And number three, oh boy, you're, I imagine I'm expecting you to kind of preach a little bit here. Oh, okay. He is worthy of our very best. Well, let's just see what happens here, Scott. <laughs> yeah. The wise men brought very expensive gifts, which showed how important the Savior was to them. Gold is, of course, a metal of great value and in a symbol of royalty. Frankincense is known today for its antibacterial and anti-inflammatory properties. In Bible times, it was used for making perfume and incense for use in the temple and as an aromatic resin in burials. Wow, myrrh was used in Bible times as an ingredient in holy oil for consecrating priests and embalming. Oh, man. Interesting. So, yeah, I always find that was interesting, that the gifts they brought Jesus were to acknowledge his royalty as our Savior, as our King of kings and Lord of lords, but also essentially to prepare him for his burial. And, and the color of it. Yeah, the colors and the fragrances yeah. were incenses, uh, incense in worship. So they acknowledged his royalty. They worshiped with the yeah. fragrance. And then the other one was an embalming fluid. Basically, or an embalming perfume. Yeah, and and they're doing that in the beginning of his birth, and it's not going to happen for 30, maybe. Odd years. Yeah. They were immediately showing his value and how important he was. I just have to wonder, how did the wise men know that? I have to assume the Holy Spirit said, take these things. Mm -hmm. I'm more curious about what Mary and Joseph thought. Oh, when when the wise men showed up? Yeah. I mean, you know, Joseph, being the man of the house, would look at the gold and go, cha-ching! <laughs> but then Mary looks at the other ones right. and goes, why do we need embalming fluid and perfumes? What, what's your, what are you that, thinking? That's not Old Spice, and he's not shaving yet. <laughs> what's going on here? Do you know I, something I don't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just, I, that's the stuff. I just can't help but wonder. But yeah, anyway. So the Holy Spirit impacted the three wise men, but yet he wasn't given to us yet until Jesus rose again. He left us his spirit, the Holy right. Spirit, so that we would have him. But yet here, the Holy Spirit is evidence that the Holy Spirit existed before that time. Right. And I think that's the value, Scott. Interesting. Well, think a little bit about you know, Matthew 2, 10, and 11. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. You know, and 
You know, you did something with your kids when they were younger at Christmas that I'm fascinated with. Well, okay. And I can't help but wonder if maybe we should, more parents should do this, to read the Christmas story with the kids, either before the presents, whether it's Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And I was always fascinated by that, and I thought, what a great tradition. Right. It was really when they were in their starting blocks, ready to <laughs> bolt out of their down the hallway and down the steps to the family room where all the gifts were. They were at the top step the morning of Christmas. The packages, they were around the tree, translated, Mom and I were probably up an hour and a half or so before then getting the last present under there so right most of the night we're up doing that here they come <laughs> but they had to wait at the top step while we read through the christmas story and then they would come down well when we adopted dean in his first christmas there he was in shock <laughs> he had no idea we're gonna what yeah hang on Try to breathe through this. <laughs> We're going to do it. So in I think a number of years ago, now they're all grown. Well, of course, you know, David and Jason, they are all arms and legs. So we did a symbolic version of it, and we sat at the top step. Well, between David and Jason, they pretty well covered the steps. <laughs> all the way down the steps, Dean and Mandy were there. That was a, a time when we celebrated what we had done, that tradition right. in history. I hope you got a picture of that. You know, I'd have to go through and look. I bet we do. I bet we do. That would be that would be so special to me. I'd, that's one of those things you put in a frame. Uh-huh. A picture of them as kids that way and then grown-ups. <laughs> yeah, you know, just for the side-by-side of it. Yeah. But anyhow, all right. So as we finish up the four lessons the three wise men can teach us, number four He is speaking to us. Amen, Scott. Even King Herod was fearful that Jesus was speaking to his people that he wanted Jesus killed. When Herod found out that the wise men from the east had tricked him, he was very angry. He gave orders for his men to kill all the boys who lived in or near Bethlehem and were two years old and younger. This was based on what we had learned from the wise men. And that's Matthew 2.16. Mm-hmm. You know, because the wise men did the, the right thing. Initially, they went into Jerusalem and said, hey, we've been following this star. We've been told there's a king born. Where do we go? Mm-hmm. And Herod's like, um, I'm the king. <laughs> um Right. Yeah. Priests come over here and uh, talk to these guys to straighten this out. And they said, well, uh, actually, prophecy, Herod says, blah, 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 blah. And the wise mm. men went marching off under Herod's orders to, well, go find out. I want to worship him, too, mm-hmm. with a sword behind my back. Right. Yeah, I'm going to worship him. Yeah. And then the Holy Spirit told the wise men after they had come and worshiped Jesus to go home another way. Yeah. Yeah. Take take I-70, not I-71. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Take take, yeah. take Route 30. Don't take 71 up to Cleveland. Take 30 and go to Worcester. Well, yeah, and you know, Scott, I think another really important thought here, when, we, when we've been looking at the wise men, they are on some levels a role model to us, an example about worship. Look at how immediately their reaction to Jesus and the, and the Messiah coming compared to in today's day and age, look at how people generally refer to Jesus. 
it's not in a sense of awe and worship and and connection. It's kind of like commonplace. An afterthought. Yeah. And, and how sad that is because the day is coming when he, we will experience that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. We should be in that reverent mindset and that respectful thought and thankful thought and perception of who he is in our hearts. And think about this. These were Gentiles. Right. They had no knowledge of Messiah. Yeah. They were not Jews. So this, the whole prophecy thing was foreign to them. Right. They show up. The Holy Spirit sends them to follow the star, sends them to Jesus, has them bring the gifts that they give. And then when the Holy Spirit speaks to them again and says, why don't you go home a different direction? Yeah. And they do. You're right. I mean, the obedience of these Gentiles who had no knowledge of the Jewish Messiah should be something that's really is something we need to pay attention to. That's true. It's so impressive that the Gentiles then were obedient. Yeah. And in today's day and age, we, we think about we pray and, and we want to be, uh, we offer ourselves before God that used me. I, I, I want to be used. Well, he does. And one of the ways he's, he speaks today, there's a number of ways he speaks today, but one of them is he uses his people to speak to his people in our hearts. It's like you get this urging to say something, and it's from him, and it's exactly what that met their prayer need. Um, a, a great example I'll never forget, and I wish I had done it differently, probably 20 years ago, I am at McDonald's, and, I, and I'm wolfing down, I don't know, probably back then it was a Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't touch it today for other reasons. But to the left, I'm seeing this woman with her suitcases, and she's on her phone, and she's crying. And I look out, and the window parked right by there was a car that had been wrecked on a flatbed. And I just felt this urge inside that I should go talk to her. Uh, nah, I won't. I end up not. And I get home and I tell Kathy about it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go back and see if she's still there. She wasn't. That's urging, being obedient when God speaks to us in our hearts, is about God helping somebody else, but your obedience to do it means he's going to use you. And so that's just such an important thing. How often do we try to ignore that? And if I had to list one of the top three ways that I think the enemy attacks, one is in doubt. Oh, yeah. No, you don't need to do that. Yeah. They're not going to want to hear about Jesus. They're going to yell at you. They're going to do something mean to you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And obedience... Boy, if you if there's a, a key lesson to learn from the wise men, I think it is obedience. You mm-hmm. look through this entire story, and you can read through it, you know, in Matthew, and just see how the these wise men. I keep going back to the a kids program. They called them the three wise guys, <laughs> the three wise men, and they obeyed. They right. obeyed. 
they obeyed. And right. they didn't know who this was. Right. We do. Right. And yeah. we can't even get out of bed on Sunday morning. And, you know, maybe the Christmas Easter Christian. Right. You know, as we wrap up today, Tom, you know, maybe there's someone is struggling with obedience. Right. And struggling with, you know, even the Christmas tradition of, you know, reading the Christmas story to their children. And maybe they would need some help just resetting the family dynamic to be one more of obedience than to one of reaction to whatever the world is doing. And sitting down with a life coach could be helpful. How can they get a hold of you to start a conversation? Well, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. Thank you for joining us for this session. You can listen to previous episodes on the podcast network at risefmohio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about Tom Russell at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. 